Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another podcast, Arsenal uh, Canada podcast. Sorry, it's been two weeks too long for me with regards to the winter break. But yeah, we would, uh, we're calling the podcast today Post Transfer Podcast. I'm your host, Morning, my host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Um, uh, I think Morning, you and me want to kick us off because <laughs> I want you the best space of mind after this transfer window that we've had. Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, many Gooners were. Expecting, I mean, <laughs> I was one of the the kind of fools sitting here and watching transfer deadline day. You know, of course, at times I was also taking something like good few hours breaks just to get away from it because sometimes I mean, some of the things that were also floating online was also becoming you know totally ridiculous. So it's like just kind of distancing yourself from you know everything. But yeah, that being said, um, I was actually shocked at the amount of exits if you go across the. Yeah the period of the whole month because I mean I'm just not in, in, in date form uh, we end up losing January 7th uh, AC Baker Niles at the Roma thing off season loan I think it could be also a buy option for them because I think something we wanted something like 11 million for him then 12th of January Balogun end up going on out on loan to Middlesbrough then 18th of January Colosina shared his contact dissolved I think we mentioned it on the podcast uh, he becomes a free agent, and I think immediately um, Olympic Marseille signed him up. Uh, 20th of January, Pablo Marie ended up going to Indonesia on loan. I mean, I'm still not sure if he's, you know, even though it's a loan, I'm not sure if he's even going to come back or if he's going like, to be a permanent fixture in Italy. Um, then on the 27th of, of January, I think it came as a surprise to everybody, I'm sure, because I think not even journalists picked up on this one. Uh, Callum Chambers ends up going to Aston Villa. Arsenal uh, dissolved his contract as well, which was, in a way, in my opinion, quite strange. Because I yeah, also think so. I found him and actually Maitland Niles as well, very versatile players. You can use them in defence or midfield. So yeah, he ends up going to Villa. And then on the 31st of January, January, I mean, it, I think it caught everybody same way with Callum Chambers. I didn't know that, that the Aubameyang thing was going to be kicking on that fast. Because I think everything just went south within a matter of like days. I mean, everybody was still watching the Arsenal team, you know, doing their uh, summer training in, in Dubai. And then all of a sudden you just hear this whole thing gets fast track. Because I mean, one minute you're being told that Aubameyang is going to be, you know, training with, you know, the youth team and then and, and staying back in London. And when you look again, he's jetting off to uh, Barcelona. Oh, what a, what a player, you know, it's, it was, a, it, was a, it was a sad, like, you know, just the memories he brought to the club. I think he came to the club also at this time when he needed, like, kind of a hero. And, yeah. you know, he became that guy. And you just you know, see what happened after his contract, you know, that, that decline in, in performance, his attitude. And it was just, a, you know, quite sad to see him. And then eventually he leaves. And, you know, he was a kind of only top-class striker at the club. I mean... Like it was always kind of like second fiddle to him, not in a you know that he was far behind, but you know if you had to put one of them on the team, it would more likely be um, a bombing that would be starting. I mean, I think what what kind of left uh, you know almost like a bitter taste in the mouth was this this whole exit for me. Like I mean, like the way I now feel about it, it was almost like Kosciolny where. There's no time for him even to say like you know goodbye or with the fans. It's just he ends up having a stop. He only like kind of ends up just storming out of the club and whatever. And 
and almost like kind of makes a mockery out of Arsenal in a, you know, when when um, Bordeaux was like introducing him to the club. Uh, I mean, I just felt it was like played out like that. And I mean, today, of course, some, uh, you know, a bit more news now is faulted out with Aubameyang's uh, first big press conference for Barca. And I mean, he is like very open about it. I don't think Arteta is going to be really forthcoming with regards to it, but he just said, you don't understand the sort of anger and animosity Arteta had towards him. And that's what kind of made him also unhappy at being then at Arsenal. But it seems that Arteta has been doing it with a lot of players, you know. It's, you know, look at Gwen Doozy. He was a guy, you know, I would have then rather brought back if that is the case of how things were going at the club, you know. Shipping out Maitland Niles, who, who for me, you know, could have played a part in the season. I mean, he could, for me, even maybe better than Lukonga sometimes. I mean, you know, man of the match performance when he did come in and ship in, slot into the team. I mean, he can play on the left, he can play on the right. I mean, he's a good utility player to have in the team, but we let him go. Chambers as well, you know, you could use him right back, centre back, and as a holding mid if if need be, done the job at Fulham. So, you know, weird times. And I mean, like you said, Arteta has this kind of attitude that, you know, if you're not going to do things his way, he will completely freeze you out the team. And, you know, losing a guy like a bombing, although, you know, is it much of a loss? Comp- like, if you look at how his form has been the past few seasons, and then you look at Guendouzi, you know, a uh, good good player, but obviously not listening to Arteta, being frozen out completely. And, you know, I know what's going to be happening with Pepe now as well. I just think, I mean, Arteta, I mean, look, I haven't played under Pepe. I mean, look, we all know Pepe Guardiola can be a, you know, disciplinarian, but he also has that sort of leeway thing, and I think that is where... Uh, look, I'm not going to condone now with the whole Aubameyang thing, even Gunduzi, because, I mean, I had the big problem with that playfulness at training and that and, and being more of a distraction to, to people when you should be learning and, 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 you know, getting tactics and things right for a game. I just think, I don't know, yet immaturity kind of stood out with Gunduzi. And I think with with, uh, with Aubameyang, look, OK, he's going to probably try to make himself to a degree. I mean, of course, I know the fan base will be split about, uh, about it, but I just think, for me, his reputation kind of precedes him because he pulled the same sort of stunts at, at um, Dortmund, you know, the pitching up late and that. And everybody said he's a fantastic player. Even that, that, that uh, general manager of, of Dortmund said he's a fantastic player. But he has those moments where it's not like you feel on your, you want to pull your ear out. Yeah, I know. And we, we saw it at. I mean, at the end of his Dortmund stage, where he just, you know, went on strike, almost kind of to leave. Arsenal brought him in, and he was, you know, in scintillating form, banging goals left, right, and centre. You know, took us to, um, you know, he didn't take us, but he played in a Carabao Cup final for us. He played in a, a Europa League final for us. He bagged us a, a FA Cup and, you know, scored a very nice goal in the Community Shield. But, you know, that was kind of, it, you know, after after those what, two and a half good seasons, the other basically one and a half kind of tapered off and you, like you said, you became a frustrated figure or you got frustrated at watching a Bamiyang play. And just, uh, you know, just to hop quickly on <laughs> the transfer market, um, oh. even though it was so very, very, very quiet. But I mean, we did now make, I think, uh, gave us a... Uh, New York Revolutions, 
नंबर वन कीपर एंड यूएसए इज नंबर वन कीपर मैट नो वी इंड अप गिविंग हिम नाउ आई थिंक सम लाइक अ प्री कॉन्ट्रैक्ट यू विल बी जॉइनिंग अप इन द समर एंड देन आल्सो दिस न्यू लिफ्टबैक आल्सो ऑस्टन ट्रस्टी फ्रॉम कोलोराडो रैपिड्स बट आई थिंक इट्स मोर बेस्ड ऑन यू नो स्टैन क्रूंकी कनेक्शन वे वी एक्चुअली काइंड ऑफ लेटिंग सम ऑफ द प्लेयर्स नाउ गेट दैट्स ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस एट ऑस्टन आई मीन आई डोंट नो Alf, uh, I mean, the, the thing is, it's gonna happen. The, the movie is gonna happen in the summer. But I just don't know if it's more like a marketing ploy, or is he actually gonna be integrated into the squad? Because I mean, I, I've never really seen any of, of uh, you know, I don't watch that much MLS anymore. Like I used to, because I mean, it comes on sometimes the crazy times. But I mean, it's also kind of gonna be interesting because I think they, they also want to get the average of the, of the defense down. And I mean, with also talks coming, uh, you know, upcoming for the new, new season. Even though I mean, we're still pursuing this one. Uh, with Saliba playing quite strong at at uh, Marseille, and I think we're probably gonna, you know, give him another crack at at uh, first team uh, met. You know, first team matters. It's just like down to Arteta also to you know give him a sort of of leeway and uh, find me a chance because I don't think he really gave him a chance because. We never saw him in the Premier League. I think we saw him in like one or two uh, pre-season games, but that was it. I mean, I don't know if you what you saw of of uh, Saliba in his time now in France. I mean. uh, the one game I did watch him play um, was against PSG, and I thought he was quite magnificent. You know, obviously it was one game, but he was quite yeah. strong, quite agile, quite pacey. I think he took uh, Mbappe, you know, on in a foot race as well. So you know, he... yeah, cool. No, no, no. So I said, so I think he does have the potential. Just maybe I don't know what happened behind the scenes once again. Because I just think, I mean, he will also be a good replacement for Rob Holding, who's sometimes he's passing is all over the place. He's also like his judgment of the ball is also all over the place. And you have actually somebody that's like growing in stature now in every uh, game in France now. He's also getting like you know plaudits from from people in the media and in ex-footballers, and so he is showing something that that looks very unique. So I mean, I'm. I was excited to see when he does return to Arsenal. Um, then now, you know, back on the whole uh, transfer <laughs> window. Um, I mean, I, I, of course, I saw many fans. I mean, I look, I was also really pissed off. You know, when you see by the by the time the the window shuts and that the clock, you know, the bell tolls, kind of. Um, you actually wonder, you know, is this not it? Because we're going to. You know, post uh, winter break, then we're going to go into a, in a in a league campaign again with a, just about twenty players. So you, you don't really have that much leeway for injuries. You don't have much leeway for suspensions. But you know, I also see both sides of the story because I can also see Arsenal wanted to get you know that wage bill really trimmed up because I just think see, the last say five or so years, even seven years. The club has been run in a way that, you know, we're offering people contracts almost like confetti, so you know, that aren't even really worthy of it, and they end up getting massive, massive, uh, you know, pay grades and that. And I mean, if you look at Colosina, who's been almost like just floating around in the squad for about two years, and I mean, he's on like a hundred thousand k a week, like a hundred k a week, and you get like people like 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 say Aubameyang also where. He's not doing it much for for you know like what you were saying like about two years or so, and it's about he's on three hundred fifty k. 
So, I mean, you have to also kind of curb anything in the matter and get it more organized, the, the payment structure. I mean, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I agree, a lot needs to be done. And I, I think, like you, you, you think you always mention it, how the club, you know, keeps on, you know, the, 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 the word you use is to not put, like to put it bluntly, it's pissing money away. It's like yeah. they're wasting like money on, like, you know, look at the Urzel deal. I mean, you could give it to Sanchez, perhaps. Yeah. You know, you look at the Bamiyang and, 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 and. You know, you got to know when's the club going to get it right. If they get it right for the wrong players, and then the wrong players, like the wrong, like the right players, they should be getting it right with. They get it wrong with. I mean, I'm sure Aaron Rams you could have gotten also a, a decent contract with Sanchez and keeping Sanchez and and, and Ramsey, but instead you try to keep Urzo, who end up, you know, also just jump ship at the end of the day. I mean, another player that Otet had a fallout with that we just never saw again. I mean, my take is also. Uh, when you look at, at, you know, even the appointments of Raul Salmehi, that I had, you know, very high opinions of at first, but when I saw how the whole kind of buddy-buddy system of, and I mean, you end up giving people like William, like you put him on almost a 200,000 a week contract, which was totally ridiculous, because, I mean, if Chelsea weren't even going to give him another look in, why the heck should we not give a, like, you know, a guy that's in his waning years of football, you know, a, a, like a two-year deal, it was ridiculous. And I mean, you can see there, things were totally going awry. And, and then it's almost like now since we have uh, Richard Garlic that uh, used to work for the FA, he's now uh, appointed and, and he's in charge of another contract. And, and you can actually see now a sort of structure happening now in front of your eyes, like real time of, of how, like if people are getting extensions, the increase is not that huge jump like we used to do. Because I think that is where, as I said, we were hemorrhaging money because you're giving like people only like double, even at times even more than doubling their, their salary and they're not offering much to the team. Yeah, I know. It's like they were renewing contracts for the sake of it, basically. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that is why I started seeing, like, look, as I told you, the Monday evening, I was really pissed off. I can tell you straight. I mean, I didn't want to then watch or read anything afterwards. But then it's not like the next day when you kind of cool off, you you know, that, that seething phase is gone. Then you start figuring out and then you start putting things almost like in perspective and you start putting things in place and you start thinking, you know, I mean, of course, I like I would have still somehow even loaned uh, forward, uh, you know, actually goal scoring forward for, for like six months, five months or whatever. I just think that is where, you know, uh, the, for me, the biggest flaw was because... Uh, you're really putting so much pressure now on and KTL's got no league, uh, no goals in the Premier League. Uh, you can only just score against like your League One, League Two sides, but he rolled. when he gets a chance in the Premier League, the, the pace looks, you know, almost like overpowering and overbearing on him. He can't really cope in the league. And then, of course, you've got Lacazette who, uh, you know, you can see he's also at that, that last phase of his career where the pace of the game is too fast, especially the Premier League. I mean, you get found out very quickly. And you can see you can't normally play longer than an hour. And then you see that that, that pace, that, that work rate drops at a rapid rate. So, you know, we can almost like have to, you know, wrap those two in cotton wool and see that they can somehow get us over the line. And I think a lot's going to be asked of, of people like Martinelli, uh, Pepe, because I think Pepe could still have a big uh, say in how the season plays out. Um, and then, of course, you got Smithrow. I mean, he's been struggling with fatigue after that, in, like, 
every time he's having the stop start uh, performances. And then yeah. Odegaard also, I think he's, you know, Odegaard is also one of the players that's working his socks off, you know, adds to the, the sort of hyperness that we play. But it's not like you can see he ends up just burning himself out of the right he's running, constantly trying to, you know, force the issue and then the rest of the team aren't doing the same. So a lot of, you know, I hope a lot of things were also discussed in this this Dubai trip now, where they can also iron out all these kinks in our in our game. Yeah, especially I think now with it Bami and gone. I don't know if there's no distractions now anymore or negative things towards um you know, in the camp, but boy, Amazon documentary is going to be interesting. I just hope we can eat in the top four at least. Yeah. I mean, my take is, um, I mean, look, we must also think, this is also a big risk coming from Edu and Ateta. Because look, this is now their decision not to to make this sort of jump, you know, with, with in the market. So, I think anything less than sixth there's going to be a big issue with, with especially the fan base where it's going to really get you know almost like ugly again if we're going to get that because we were you know we enjoyed what they did in in the last uh, the the summer window then of course we had this whole thing where we had a mass mass exodus in the January window and now it's not like you're going to have these players and and like one thing that was also been kind of my my concern was. You know, like going to a, uh, a campaign again with with twenty players, and you've got somebody like Jaco can be a loose cannon, and uh, Thomas Party that has usually uh, fitness issues. Like you know, sometimes he gets like some like simple injuries where he like rolls his ankle or something, but then he's out for you know easily weeks, if not months. So I mean, that was where I, I also thought to myself, alone they would have wouldn't have been bad either. But I think everything. I think almost it kind of fell apart because we were not like stalling too long. I think things have been organized a bit earlier. It wouldn't have been a problem. And something also found out the other day, which was very, very interesting, was the Fiorentina president said they were actually all prepared for uh, Vlaovic to be joining Arsenal. And they said uh, Vlaovic and his agent, they were doing a lot of things under the table, you know, behind the scenes and, and to get that uh, Juventus move. And they, they were not really happy because Arsenal already, I think, were giving even more or offering more money. But I think they were kind of, Juventus were more sweetening the salary thing in that aspect of it. Ah, okay. I think Arsenal maybe missed a trick there. You know, especially knowing that they were going to get the, uh, I don't know if they did now, but getting a Palmeang off the books. But I wonder what the guy like Vlaovic is going to be on now at, at um, Juventus I, at okay. age 21. The thing is, I just think Arsenal put the eggs in the, you know, all the eggs in the basket with Vlaovic. Yep. And yep. they did not have, and that's why you can, I mean, of course, they tried to play it off. They all probably tried to play it off, but you can see they almost like did not know what to do with the minute he, you know, the later it got into the window and he ends up opting for Juventus instead of Arsenal. And of course, we did not have a plan B and, you know, the later it was, and now, you know, we also realized we kind of shot ourselves in the foot there was, we almost like a few days with a window left. You're not even giving the, the person, like, it's just, I'm not saying it was now a, 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 a true rumor or whatever, but that whole thing that was going around about Isa. I just wonder also if it, was, it came down to 
So she had not having enough time to even bring a replacement in for, to to get you know to replace exactly, even with all the money that they would get from the deal if it was with its release clause or a straight up offer from Arsenal. I just think that's where Arsenal made life difficult for themselves by delaying and delaying and and even then kind of getting caught up in their own you know mess. Yeah? They could have just given Vlavis kind of a deadline of and said, okay, yeah. you know, do we don't want to sign for us? You know, we're going to have to move on to the next one. And then, exactly. uh, and it's quite frustrating because, you know, now it's like, oh, we got caught in our pants down. Yeah. We have no midfield. I mean, you know, the, the, the worst part of it all is when we got linked to a rumor of Alvaro Morata and I was just like, can it get any lower than this? I mean, I would have even brought in, you know, even a Rams deal, Jack Walsh in on loan and yeah. having nobody because it's, I mean, if we're going to get injuries now, you're going to have squads going to look thin and there's a whole top four race. I mean, we in the, we were in, we in the driving seat at the moment. I think it's just us in Spurs that, you know, at Spurs it could cause us some problems. But if we just be consistent and play like we've been playing, we'll be fine. But, I mean... If Lacazette picks up injury, are you going to play in Ketia? Because Arteta seems to be trusting Ketia more than Nicola Pepe, who, who did quite well in the back end of last season. So, you know, on the one hand, every time, you know, I try to find the positives in Arteta, then you look at it, like those five steps back and makes me angry at him again. Yeah. So, uh, with, with regard, like, my, like, the next part of the podcast, I want to bring about, you know, like, a, almost like a sort of opinion piece. I just want to know your take as well. With regards to the summer, there's going to be a lot of people that's going to, you know, either leave or be sold on because if you take Lacazette and Ketia, there's already two out of the door, uh, you know, of free agents. Then you've got, I think Arsenal are also going to allow um, El Nini to leave. Um, Xhaka, they might, you know, go again in at, at listening for offers because I still think... You know, as much as he's, you know, he puts a shift in for us, I still think you need somebody younger that's more mobile that can play that position. Um, then I think also Rob Holding needs, you know, replacing. Uh, Tommy also desperately needs a, a decent uh, understudy at right back. And then, I mean, I, I'm quite happy with the uh, left-back choices. Um, in defence, besides Saliba, I would still, you know, try finding another player besides... Uh, you know, this, what's his name, that Austin kid of, of Colorado. Um, I also look at, you know, the balls that defense somewhat because you never know. I mean, if we, just saying, I'm not, I'm not sure we get it. But I mean, even if we get Europe, Europa League football, you're going to need about two squads. Yeah, I know. And we left ourselves very thin if we should get into the Europa League, like dangerously thin. No, so, no, no, but I don't think we're going to leave it like, you know, the 20 men. I think we're, we're going to bolster in the summer. But I just think to myself, do you then start, you know, I'm not going to say bloat now, but, you know, you know, really make the squad a bit bigger than it is. We have now uh, almost like two players that can play at the, the one, actually, in a, uh, say, a Lacazette role, two players that can fit into a Nketiah role and then, or whoever the second striker is, whatever. but you have like, well, like three or four choices that that you can choose from for, for forwards. And then same with the wingers. I mean, I, I don't know how things will pan out with, with uh, Pepe. But also, like, you know, have Saka and somebody as good that can take over from Saka. We, you're not ending up playing him into the ground type of thing. Yes, no, I, I definitely think 
my would, would definitely be kind of we're gonna have to go with two solid box to box slash you know defensive midfielders that can yeah. rotate with kind of party because like you said Jacques is probably gonna leave so you need kind of at least three players in that position three to four which you, or maybe three and you can maybe have a makeshift guy just helping out I mean we have Lekonga as well so I would say you just need kind of two more players that can play there but quality that you know or will fight for positions and then you definitely need a right back because Tomiyasu can't you know do it all I mean we're all human and we pick up injuries center backs like you said you know holding I think needs to go and you need to maybe bring Saliba and maybe kind of a, a young and upcoming defender who can learn from the guys and then um, your forward line I definitely think we need kind of two strikers and you know if if Pepe also leaves, you need that, that that striker that can play anywhere across the front three, whether there's space to burn as well. So that would kind of be my, you know, wish list. It's probably about four to five signings. Whether it can happen, whether we will let it happen, is just easier to be seen. Yeah. Um, then, of course, the news has been kind of leaking out from Arsenal was uh, Bukaya Saka ends up, like, also there's talk of him getting a contract extension. The same can be said for William Saliba. I mean, I'm actually happy, you know, the sooner we can tie them down, the better. And I think even something like Martinelli, because if we remember that uh, Jurgen Klopp's been almost like singing sweet praises of Martinelli, so I'd be very careful there, yeah. you know, with, with, with regards to him. And I mean, look, they also have a big Brazilian contingent, so I, I would actually see too that you get people like that all, you know, pinned down. Because, I mean, look, you've got already, Smith Rowe, they've got, uh, I don't know how many years he's got on his, because, I mean, he just signed, signed at that time and he got the squad number. But I just think we must start pinning down all these, you know, top talents and also try to start integrating also more youngsters in the team, because I actually miss that. I mean, you had the whole influx of, of Smith Rowe, of Saka, and that, but it's not like it's been, again, a sort of delay, again, of, of you see these players on the bench, or in training videos, and that, but you're actually wondering when do they actually get now a, you know, a fair crack at it? Because I would like to see even some like that that striker uh, that they have for, for that report from Fulham that under 23 guy Pires. I would like to see him also maybe get like a, a cameo of five or ten minutes. You never know how he would also turn out. Because I think we also need that sort of option where you can actually go to the bench and take a, a, you know a real top talent or a talented youngster and, and and let him you know just shine a bit on the pitch. Yeah, no, I think we're missing that at the moment. We've, we've, like, if 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 you um, remember that Arsenal over the years, you know, we used to bleed in the youngsters by you know letting them fit in, you know, a senior squad, and it's like you know letting them filter through. I mean, I don't know where Wenger's are just deciding it's going to play a whole lot of youngsters in one go. It doesn't work out. Yeah. Then the other point uh, with regards to the weekend, um, we're going to be playing a reading in a. Uh, behind closed doors for really. I mean, I, I doubt Arsenal are going to put any news really out. I mean, I just hope it does come out through the media somehow. But I mean, I think they actually also, also want to see how players have coped now after this. Because uh, I think they arrived in London last night, the Arsenal squad. Um, are they going to be able to cope, I think, now, you know, in, in match conditions? Because from what I heard also from the, that when that. Uh, YouTube video of, of Charles Watts, the Arsenal reporter. 
Um, he was actually explaining that they normally play these behind closed doors. Finley's in uh, four, like, you know, uh, it was like four, yeah, quarters. Like they play like four quarters, so you can actually chop and change constantly. And I mean, that's I think the same goes for reading. So it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out as we now also start prepping for the Wolves game. And that also leads me now to the next part of the podcast. Wolves versus Arsenal, eighth versus sixth on Thursday night. Yeah, Wolves is a very, it's gonna be a very tricky affair. I mean, we've seen um, Wolves actually have, have beaten United, and they they're not the uh, the worst team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, also the, the big concern now with regards to team matters is not having you know Tomiyasu because I think he's gonna be missing that game as well. But I mean, I'm glad with with Jaka and Thomas Partey returning to the squad in midfield. I think we're going to need it, especially with it being in the away game. And then, I mean, Cedric comes back also after his uh, niggling injury. And then with regards to Wolves, I mean, look, the key players, I mean, I honestly thought it was, before I even went on that list, it was Adama Traore. But, I mean, when I look now, the, the, the three key players for them this season has been Ruben Neves, Romain uh, Zeiss, and that central defender, Max Gilman. Because, I mean, they now, you know, also, like, they're the linchpins for, for uh, the Wolves team. And, I mean, like, with the goals, they're also a very goal-shy team. I think that the centre, that, um, uh, that striker there's one. He's got, like, four. Jimenez has four. And Connor Cody, two. But, I mean, look, they might not score many goals, but they also give little away. Because I think after, I'm not sure if it's Chelsea, they next with the lowest goals against. Oh, that's going to be a really t- tough affair. But I think, you know... Arsenal need to show show their worth after dropping silly points against against a burning side. So, you know, I wonder it's gonna be interesting to see how we line up this this game against Wolves. But uh, Arteta has a lot of pressure on his shoulders because it's a kind of a game that you know if it goes against us, the fans will be on his back because even though it's not it's not the reason why we lost, but I mean the fans are gonna ask why didn't we you know bring in new players, new signings to kind of energize the squad. I mean. You always mentioned that you know signing a player or two in January can really give the squad a lift. You know, reminds me of you know Ashavan signing for Arsenal as well. Um, in yeah. the oh, was the oh eight um January transfer window or oh, nine transfer window? Sorry. Yeah, but um, like, you know, of course, it's despondent as I was say at the beginning with the the transfer window. But when you start looking also around in the league, I mean. Okay, you saw United didn't uh, make any uh, buys either. West Ham as well. I think West Ham also in our situation where they were close quite a few times and every time they just got output by a team, you know, uh, with a bid. Um, then yeah, I mean, like, where the, the, like one big frustration or two big frustrations I had was when I saw who Man City bought as a forward, and that's an Alvarez guy that uh, I really like. It plays wherever played. And then, of course, um, that other deal that, that also kind of stumped me was uh, that Zakar or Zakaria, who ends up, I mean, I don't know if he, he, he went, uh, I forgot the, the, the team he went to, but I mean, he was like 7 million, that's a holding midfield and he's about 24 years old, Swiss international, 25 years old. 7 million, and I mean, if, I think he's right going at last season or something like four, close to 14 million. I mean, I'm not saying he's like a, a, a he's that big of a dumping form, but I think also with with the old COVID stuff, 
people's uh, values have also, you know, dipped to a degree, like in certain like certain players now. But I mean, he for me is also one of the most like mobile holding mids that I saw. And I mean, I was just thinking all the time, gosh, this guy could not help us. And when you see the sort of money thrown around, when you think of what you know our club normally would spend in it, and you think, yeah, this is all like you know, dropping this the ocean for it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It seems like we always a bit behind the curve with certain things, you know, and then we end up spending absorbent of money on things that aren't worth it. So, you know, we need to really look at that policy, policies actually we have in place and, and hopefully kind of get people in that can be kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah. So with that, I mean, I just want to also give the, the listeners an update. Um, look, since we play next week, Thursday, we're going to push the podcast to the Friday so that we can, you know, also kind of analyze the, the game as well and do the podcast in one go and then also preview the, the weekend match with Brentford. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, guys. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Take care, guys. Take care.